you're up and we're up, so let's do the next couple of hours together. It's Dawn and Steve in the morning. The gospel changes everything. Get in touch anytime. 800-555-7898. And we are glad that you are up and with us on this National Oysters Rockefeller Day. Mm. You a fan of those? Yes. That sounds yummy. Really? Yeah, okay. Did you make some? I did not. No? Nor did I bring in bittersweet chocolate. Yeah. Which it's also National Bittersweet Chocolate Day. I considered bittersweet chocolate, but I, it would have changed my schedule completely to get all that done because I was going to have to nuance it because bittersweet, yeah, semi-sweet, okay, yeah. Dark chocolate, that's all good. That's your thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, celebrating that. I got tickled at uh, my daughter. So Monday was National Bath Day and bubble bath. Like, okay. Yeah. And so Pepper May went to the groomer, and that's the little pup. But Hannah May, like after her first day back to school being off for, what, two and a half, three weeks, she was like, I think I'm going to have to take advantage of National okay. Bubble Bath Day. <laughs> oh, that cracks me up. It is just kind of funny to celebrate these little different things. If you could make it happen, just adds a little levity to the day. Oh, it does. Mm-hmm. It's uh, always fun to do that. And uh, I've heard you talk about this before. Not necessarily the greatest of green thumbs. Oh, no. So are you guys trying to celebrate National Houseplant Day? I was looking at houseplants yesterday. Where was I leaving? I'm trying to remember where I had seen some little uh, plants, little pots. I have killed more houseplants than should be humanly possible. I'm just not that good at it, partly because you have to remember to water things. Yeah. I was given a succulent one point and told. A what? A succulent. Okay. <laughs> Think kind of little cacti yep. and things like that in a pot. You can't kill this. This is why I'm gifting this to you. I've killed two. <laughs> you got mad skills. I have. I mean, give me props. I can do this. I do have a few right now. I even said to Ben, I think over the weekend, hey, I've got one that I've kept. If I get to May, this will be the third Mother's Day a mutual friend of ours gave me one for Mother's Day. Okay. It'll be three years ago this year. And if I can get it there, then I, I feel very, very successful. But I think it's root-bound. And so my answer to a root-bound plant is to tell Ben. <laughs> Go plant it somewhere? I just say, hey, I think that one is root-bound. And he's like, okay. And pretty soon it finds a new home. There's a new pot and it's got some breathing room for its little uh, you know, root system and everything. Uh-huh. And that's how I've managed to keep that one. That It's on its second pot. But National House Plant Day, I mean, if you enter our abode and you're a houseplant, more power to you. <laughs> they may need a little help being sustained as they go through yes. the environment of, of your house is what I hear you say. Well, yes. sometimes as we go through just the environment and the challenges of life, it can be really hard. And you can say, I know God is sustaining me, but actually I want him to rescue me. Mm-hmm. Because the sustaining thing, while good, I'm tired. Yeah. I, I want this thing to be over with. And uh, when we come back in just a few minutes, I'd love to spend uh, just a little bit of time talking about how as we go through long seasons of suffering, we might, through thinking a little bit differently, we might uh, really change our relationship with Christ. So that's coming up in a few minutes.
Sarah Walton has been through it. She's a Christ follower. She's a mom, a wife, a health diagnosis. The family has endured much. And there is always that time, that season in our lives where we're enduring so much. And especially if you know it's going to be what you might call terminal. Right. This is not going to go away. It's, it's not, not going to go resolved. away. It's it, a lifetime problem. Mm-hmm. It, it's not, yeah, it's not going to have an easy button ever unless the Lord should decide that I am going to give you a miracle. Meanwhile, how do you navigate this side of eternity? And what Sarah has learned is that God meets you there. She wants the miracle. She's asked the Lord to fix things. And yet, Faced with the reality that it's not probably going to be resolved, what do you do then? And she goes to scripture and is reminded newly and freshly, she said, as she reread Proverbs 17, 3, gold is put in the fire because it is gold. And if you think about that proverb, Proverbs 17, 3, then you see something that's really astounding. Yeah. Yeah. You know. When gold is put into the fire, it's to be refined, mm-hmm. right? It's not uh, for any other reason other than the fact that they're going to burn out the impurities in that gold there. And so God only refines his treasures, those things that carry great value, those things that have worth in his eyes. And why we may cry out and say, Lord, I, I want to be rescued because that would provide some relief that would only be a temporary relief to be refined that actually is a lasting thing that cannot be lost when the next fire comes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because the next fire will come oh yeah right and so that refining process of being put in that fire and letting god burn out those impurities in our life i think will just help prepare us for the next Fire, or the next time the fire becomes more intense. Don't you just love the way she says this, that we need to remember uh, that going back to God's word, getting his framing of a situation like Proverbs 17, 3, and that reminds us that he refines those which he loves. And though it wouldn't be something that you would ask for. And you know that the enemy is also part of this. We mentioned this a moment ago, because when God sees the situation in the person that is worth refining, then that person is a greater threat to the enemy and what he's trying to establish. Because if you can go through the fire and still know that God is in control, that God is good because they, they coexist, that life is hard and God is good, then you're giving a testimony to the world yeah. that says, my God, he is the one worthy of praise. He is the one that is sustaining me despite these hard situations that I'm going through. And he can sustain you too. He can meet you in your need. And the enemy is not going to want anybody to know that. I think that another thing that that does is it points to the worthiness of God. And just how awesome he is. You know, I think of people that I see at church who are dealing with terminal diagnoses. I think of uh, friends who have passed away because of cancer or other disease. And as they walk the path of knowing that their time on earth was coming to an end, they showed up anyway. They praised anyway. They worshiped anyway. 
the witness that that was to yeah. those around them, man, that is so, so powerful to see that. And God may pluck us from that fire. He may provide that miracle. He may give that relief in just this monumentous, miraculous way. And that does show his power mm-hmm. in the fact that he is able to do that. So to a watching world, they can say, oh, wow, that was obviously a God thing because he showed up and showed out in that way. But when he chooses not to do that, I think we show the worthiness and the worship of God to those watching in a totally different and unique way. Mm-hmm. And, and yet I appreciate too what Sarah is saying about, you know, you can still be sorrowful. Even though you're walking through difficult things and you have peace that passes understanding, you have the joy of the Lord as your strength, you can still rejoice and have sorrow. You can still rejoice and lament as you grow in his character of peace and perseverance, contentment, hope, strength, and again, that joy that only he can give because the circumstances naturally would strip us of all those things. Yeah. But God, but God, his spirit, his kindness, his amazing love for his kids it was in Matthew today, Matthew 7, where it says you as an evil person, but you would give your kids good gifts. How much more is the perfect heavenly father willing to give his kids good gifts? That is a perspective that only scripture and the power of the Holy Spirit can give us. This is a very thought-provoking and true because Sarah Walton, she not only lives it, she walks it every day, sustained in the fire. Culture says bigger, better, getting on social media, having all the cars just right. As I, It's entertaining to me to be driving and looking at different cars. Like you've got everything from what we in the insurance industry would call a rolling total to something that you know cost more than probably your house did when it was built. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, oh, yeah. So there's that. There's the social media things that we see. Traveling. I love traveling. And so anytime I see somebody on a trip, I'm like, that's so cool. I, I have at least learned to pray that they would have a good time and good weather. That was not always my heart. In my jealousy, I'm just saying. I, I get it. No, I get it. Uh, it. Just the Lord exposing that in my heart. I don't think I came up with that on my own. It was something the Lord had to teach me that I was very jealous. And so seeing things that are picturesque and beautiful. And I said to Ben this weekend, I don't quite understand my wiring when I walk into something like the Biltmore Estate and go, yeah, I could do this. Like I could live, (laughs) I, you know, everybody is created differently, but to just enjoy something like that and make those memories involving the kids oftentimes. Do you think though, that the bigger, the better and the perfect cars and the perfect home and the surprising of the kids and making sure they have all these meaningful memories. Do you think that maybe that has come up to idle status in our in our living, broad brush, broad brush. Yes, uh-huh. yeah, I, I do think uh, very much. Yeah, I, I think our kids are watching us go after the bigger, the better, the bigger house, the nicer cars, sure. the fancier vacations, all those things, and they then realize, or at least they think, they put together 
mom and dad thinks that is important. Therefore, that must be important. Therefore, those are the things that I need to have too. And then they begin to chase after those things. And anything that we put in front of God, by definition, is is an idol. So we're training them potentially in idolatry if we're not careful. Now, God does give some people big big bank accounts and high-paying jobs, and there's nothing wrong with a big house, and there's nothing wrong with a nice car, and there's nothing wrong with any of that. The, The question is, where is our heart, and are we, as we maybe accumulate these things, because God has been generous and blessing us with much, are we training our kids to think that those are more important than him or not? That's the bottom line question, right? Right. As to whether or not it has become idolatry, chasing after things or chasing after the Lord, chasing after the Lord. And he does all that. Fantastic. And because you're just going to share more and more of what he's doing. I do think it's subtle. I, as I look at our family, I think, oh, how did we get there? I go, I go back in my mind because now we have phones and we can record everything and we were talking to an expert very recently that said the most impacting conversation he had while researching a particular book was the children who said, I would rather mom and dad play with me instead of recording me play. Yes. In other words, don't put me on social media, get down here with me or yep. get in this thing with me and and let's spend that time together as opposed to just, you know, recording it for posterity. But that's where in my mom, mom's mind, I go back to because that was point of entry for me was when we used to do um, scrapbooking. Okay. Do you remember when like creative memory? Oh, that was a huge scrap- rage years ago. Yeah. Mm. That to me is when the power of the, we have to do this, we have to take the photos, we have to, you know, save it for posterity so that our kids can look back and see this was, this was an important moment in your life. This was the parade we watched. This was the, what, you know, you can fill in the blank. I though wonder like how much time parallel do we spend teaching them about the ways of the Lord. I'm asking myself this morning, so I'm not sending an indictment your way, but you can share if that resonates with you and what the Lord might teach us out of this. Yeah. 800-555-7898 to text in this morning. Comment on the Facebook page down in Steve in the morning if you want to uh, give us that feedback that way. But one of the things that, because I, I still have kids that are young enough that they want mom and dad to play with them. They want us engaged. They want us. And I understand a lot of times the older kids do too, but they're not going to actually admit that they're going (laughs) to play that off. Like you guys are uncool, but there's a, there's an element where I think some of them still want mom and dad's presence and active in their life. But my kids are still demonstrative in that they're still showing that at these ages. And it's really interesting. If I have a little extra work to do, and they think my working a little bit extra, I get a freelance gig or something, and they think that that can um, allow them to get a new toy or something like that, then they really are on the fence as to whether or not that it's worth it. <laughs> uh-huh. They're like, I don't know. you know, I, I, yeah. Dad, I might rather have time with you. If they think that that is potentially going to lead 
to us then getting to do a cool thing together, mm-hmm. take a vacation, go on a trip, do a, a thing where the family is going to be doing something together. I found that they're okay with that mm-hmm. because they know the payoff for that is actually family time and an More. experience together. Mm-hmm. More so yeah, exactly. Family. Right. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, another flip side to this conversation in that if the means aren't there and there's no travel and there's no way to do extra things with the kids because there's no time because you are working all the time, then we can be inferring and teaching our kids the, the wanting of the things, the chasing after the things, but the not the lack of having and getting sad and bitter about that. Like it doesn't matter where you come from. There's always going to be a challenge in what we're passing on to our kids. 800-555-7898. Join the conversation. What's important? Well, we would love to hear from you as we listen to Matthew West right now. Again, that phone number, 800-555-7898. One of the other things as you talk about that, I'm thinking about how do we redeem the small times? You know, as we talk about really engaging well with our kids and as we think about how we're going to train them up in godliness, I think not only modeling for them what is important, but then taking advantage of those small moments, those teaching opportunities, and uh, how, how do we do that? And I think one of the ways is just looking in maybe the stories that we read, the time that we spend, looking to weave God conversations and biblical truth into those times so that our kids realize that, you know, our whole relationship with Christ is not just relegated to Sunday mornings at church, but it's something that we talk about and that we incorporate every day, Mm -hmm. all throughout the day, Mm -hmm. as much as we, as much as we can. Uh, And I think if we can learn to get into the practice of that, man, that is going to leave a lasting influence on our kids. They're going to remember that for years and years to come. Think about just the sheer power of gentleness and being slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, merciful and gracious. This is Psalm 103, verse 8. If you want to look at that and ask the Lord to help you, as I am asking him to help me live that out. Because these are the things that our kids remember. Yes, they'll remember a trip. Yes, they may remember our times at bedtime. I miss those times with my kids being older, bedtime, reading, prayer, all of that. And yet, what about the Lord being merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and how that is to be marked out in our own lives because His Spirit, if we're His, his spirit is working through us. They'll remember that. They'll also remember the opposite of that. Yeah. So the power of presence cuts both ways. Yeah, it really does. It is huge. And like you say, you miss those uh, bedtime moments. I still am grateful that I have those uh-huh. at the moment. Yes. But I know that they're not going to last forever. That the time will come where like, nah, my kids are going to start going to bed later than me. They're going to start putting themselves to bed. Those opportunities uh, are gradually going to become less and less. So pr- taking advantage of them when they present themselves, mm-hmm. I think, is a, a big thing uh, for us to just be aware of. And that doesn't end when they leave our house necessarily either. Uh, it l- may look a little bit different. But we have the opportunity to even engage with them in a different way as they get older. So I, I just love just that reminder of being intentional. It's Don and Steve in the morning.